Media is the yardstick of global communication that most of us draw on to learn new things, find out what's going on in society, and what's happening in our world. Nowadays, anything we want to know or see is at the tip of our fingers. The digital era has made information readily available instantly to fill any gaps in knowledge. Or does it? How informed are we really in this Google generation? Is all the information we receive accurate? What's fact and what's fatal? What's the word? The show where we get real responses from real people about real life. Hang with us as we chat with people from all over the world and find out what the word is on the street about some of the world's most common and outrageous issues. Want to get a global perspective? We got you covered on What's the Word. Let's go. What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the very first episode of What's the Word. The show where we hear it all from globetrotters, expats, tourists, locals, and pretty much just regular people sharing their voice about this crazy thing we call life in this insane year of 2020. I'm your host, TJ Reed, coming straight out of Beijing. Make some noise for the city, y'all. So here on What's the Word, we take to the streets digitally, face-to-face, within social distancing parameters, of course, to get candid and raw responses from the general public. And sometimes that's easier said than done. And on today's episode, we're bringing you a subject on how our wonderful expectations can be way off from reality. So joining me on this special episode today is a buddy and a colleague of mine, Patrick Flannery. How do I introduce you, man? The only other American who works here. (laughs) That works too. PR professional and journalist. Yeah, survivors of those. And uh, (laughs) yeah, just happy to be here. Thrilled to join you because we, you and I, often stop in the hallways, and uh, it's a long way of telling you. I don't know if I have an appropriate nickname, but by the end of this segment, I will. <laughs> Indeed, man, and yeah, we we survived. I mean, so far, 2020. So this is um, also wonderful to to be here as well. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what's what's fact and fable. You know, before going somewhere, what you expect, and when you get there, what's real. And while we're on that subject, I a few weeks ago, I visited this uh, place called Pingu Scenic Area in Beijing. And for those not aware, this is a glass bridge or platform hanging off the side of a mountain. Yeah, this looked terrifying from your photos. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, when you look at the photos and you read the reviews, okay, everything just looks you know, really peachy. Everyone's like, oh, this is great. And everyone's smiling and having a good time. Yeah, that wasn't the case for me. But okay, to be fair, okay, I'm not really a fan of heights. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who have visited the Glass Bridge and enjoyed it, absolutely loved it. But for me, I'm not one of those people. I'm just deathly afraid of heights. So so listener's discretion, take what I say with a grain of salt. I mean, when I went there, I got to the top of the mountain and kids were screaming I saw, literally, I saw a guy dragging his girlfriend onto the platform. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm sure that ended well. Yeah, well, I I was freaking out. And um, so I, you know, I get up there and the platform starts shaking when I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the wind starts blowing. and Side to side, up and down. I mean, all around. At that time, I didn't even know. It was just shaking and I was freaking out. You try to grab the railing and it shocks you because of the static. 
So I was just stuck like Chuck, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. You didn't sign any waivers before, <laughs> that, did you? No, nah, no waivers. I was just standing there, and it was just like, it was a nightmare for me. And it's just people were, and you had some people up there enjoying themselves, you know, at my expense, watching me suffer up there. It just wasn't at all <laughs> what the pictures and the reviews had said. So it was just, I don't know, it just goes to show you that sometimes things aren't always what people say they are. So you wouldn't go back. Oh, hell no, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put that bluntly, but it's just, yeah. I'm, it's quite a sales pitch for this tourist uh, stop. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you dig, you know, high places and being able to look through the ground and see your, you know, <laughs> how far, you know, you're going to hit the ground. Um, your life before your eyes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. If you can do that, then it's a wonderful place to visit. But for me, that was a one-time ordeal. I'm not sure if I would go back. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt, uh, d- dizzy just looking at your, your photos of it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, today we're going to actually take to the streets or the digital streets rather and talk to some travelers or, uh, foreign expats on, you know, the top expectations they had before they traveled somewhere and where these expectations come from. And are they actually real or are they bogus? So with no further ado, let's hear what the word is from a global perspective. Hello, my name is Stuart Keating and I'm from the UK. My name is Haru from the USA. Uh, my name is Natasha and I'm from Russia. Where are some of the places that you've traveled abroad? Oh, I've traveled um, to Eastern Europe, Armenia. Um, uh, I also traveled to Cambodia. I've traveled to Tanzania, Uganda, Ghana, England, Jamaica. Thailand, to the Philippines, um, China. I've been lucky. I've been able to visit uh, most of Western Europe, parts of Eastern Europe, and parts of Asia. What did you hear about that country before you went? Armenia. I heard that people there are quite aggressive and rude. I heard that um, there were lots of ladyboys in Thailand. This is what I heard. I also heard that the food was great. I also heard that it was a very spiritual place. I worked in Tokyo, in Japan, for a while, teaching English. And before I went, I was kind of expecting Japan to be a super advanced society and country. Everything I had known about Japan was purely that it's living in the future. Was it the real deal or a tall tale? It's complete and utter bullshit. Now, don't get me wrong. The bullet train, of course, amazing. Having robots deliver food to your table in a restaurant? Okay, kind of cool. What about the toilet? The toilet in Japan is the most confusing thing, right? You go into a toilet, there are like 20 buttons. Uh, but when I came there, no, that wasn't real. Every uh, every Armenian I would meet, uh, in reality, they're really hospitable, friendly. And one of my family members actually came to visit me in Japan, and on the first day went into a toilet, accidentally pressed the emergency alarm button. And about three or four staff members from this hotel ran into the toilet to see if they were okay. All those things that I heard about Thailand seem to be the real deal. Bukus of ladyboys all over the place. Uh, 
Uh, the food was great. It was definitely still a very spiritual place. Every day when I was working, I would receive my schedule via fax. Like, who the f uses fax anymore? <laughs> I say what's on your mind. I know, man. I, I I love Japan. I mean, Japan was awesome. I I, was, I remember uh, being there in two thousand and four, and the subway was actually really awesome. I mean, I remember being on this on the train, and I'd look out the window that was you know zipping by, and then I would see images of like I don't I, I can't even I, I look, it looks like like little um, HD uh, images just floating by. It was kind of weird. I was like, wow, this is incredible. You know, I never saw that anywhere else. So, I mean, at that time, I would say it was pretty, I mean, advanced above, above other places like Shibuya, Harajuku. I mean, it was like Times Square on steroids. I mean, there was just like HD, like screens all over the place. And I was just like, man, where am I? You've got <laughs> me so jealous. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Times Square and steroids. Yeah, I, I lived in New York City for, for a while. And mm. I always, well, when China became... Uh, the next step, I thought, oh, I'll be that much closer to Japan. I can finally yeah. visit. I've still not been for a variety of reasons. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, man, I got to get there. I got to get there. And the toilet experience. You know, I, I, <laughs> I remember going into the toilets there and there was like 20, literally like 20 buttons to push. And obviously, if you don't read Japanese, you're not going to know what any of them do. And it was just, it was a bit daunting. I remember it was just being like, oh, whoa, wait, hey. Hey. All right. Are these squatters or are these? No, these are toilets, but they just have like a, a legion of buttons and you just don't know what, what they do. And yeah. then, and then you, you find out. And I think I, you know, I got lucky. I just pushed the right button and it was just like, oh, okay. Does a trap door open? What, what happens? <laughs> Tell you what, man, you just have to experience it for yourself. Oh, I can't, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill the surprise for you. you well, just... What was your favorite city? And uh, did you, I hear Kyoto's great. I hear Tokyo. Mm. Uh, I went to uh, Yokohama. Yokohama. And when I was there, I thought I fell in love with that city. It was it was pretty awesome. I mean, what about you? What other places did you go? I've been to Thailand, but my favorite, just absolute favorite, was Vietnam. Vietnam. And Tell I've us. been twice. Yeah. Um, what did you hear about that before you went? Well, you know, for me, I was just very much a Vietnam War buff. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, as a kid, like, like the, the films, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, and On and On Platoon. Mm. And I would watch those with my dad. I, and I'm, I'm a pacifist. I'm not I'm not a war supporter. But yeah. as a kid, for whatever reason, I connected to that. And I always thought the Americans had committed such atrocities in Vietnam. And mm. I, I was just fascinated with how Vietnam recovered and how the relationship was repaired between the countries. And then I thought, well... I can go. I can visit there once I get to Asia. Mm. And so I've been twice. Uh, I've been to uh, Hanoi, Da Nang, uh, and Hanoi Bay. Saigon. I heard a lot about that. I heard it's really awesome. Yeah. Da Nang might have been my favorite because it's on the beach. It's it's sort of, you know, it's that central part of Vietnam, but mm. it's on the coast and it's gorgeous. And I just, I was always scared of motorcycles and motorbikes, but in Vietnam, I mustered the courage Yeah, and I rented one. It was like, you know, $6 for the day or something. Mm. And... I rode up into Marble Mountain, and that was just one of the... Marble Mountain. You have one of those nice. flashpoints in your life where you're like in a completely different place by yourself, and you're just going for it. Oh, I felt like man. I really connected with Vietnam. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Some of the best food I've ever had, by the way. Oh. You know, and I feel like, you know, with Hollywood, I mean, again, you know, Hollywood is just it's the huge culprit here, and we, we only have only one exposure to Vietnam, and that's the war. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, you don't really have any other, um, I mean, for me, I mean, I would, the first question that I asked, you know, about Vietnam was like, is it safe to go? I mean, do they have any grudges or anything? And, but it's such a long time ago and it's totally not that. And so it's it's very different from what uh, we expect. So just, yeah. I mean, for me, Thailand, I I didn't really have a lot of expectations going there. I mean, um, for me, it was just kickboxing. I wanted to go there and just train and, and they, and I, and I got that, that was that was 101%. There was a lot of uh, gyms out there and I trained and the lady boy thing didn't really, I, I was really surprised actually when I went there, it wasn't something that I had heard of until I, until I got there. And then I was just like, Whoa, I remember getting a, a massage. I went, we went to a massage parlor and my uncle, you know, he lives mm. there. He speaks the lingo and he was talking and then uh, we went in and then I sat down there, you know, there's a lot of ladies there giving massages. And then I lay down on the chair and then I felt, someone manhandling my feet <laughs> and I sat up in the, in, in my recliner and it was an actual, um, I couldn't say it was a dude, but I remember the burliness, the mustache, <laughs> the obvious wig and all the makeup. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this, this looks like a dude. And it was just Did like, the massage feel good? <laughs> That's the important thing. I don't care who's doing it. If my feet are feeling better. <laughs> Man, okay, so that was my first experience with that. Yeah. So I don't even remember if it felt good or not. All I remember is the manly grip that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> For me, it was just really hard to get over the fact that, hey, is this, um, you know, who, who's commanding my feet here? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just that whole uh, shock. So at that, I just kind of, after a while, I kind of slowly eased back into my recliner, but it was just, it, and you've, it was and just, you've been going back ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less, not to that, that same place. But, okay. Uh, you okay. Know. But <laughs> the phenomenon of, you know, getting a massage is, is, is wonderful. Oh yeah. But yeah, love Thailand. And it's just, I think you're always going to hear something from somebody about why you should or shouldn't go somewhere. For example, like before I came here to China, man, I got discouraged from coming so much before I came here. Yeah. When I tell people, hey, and you know, my next stop is China, they'd be like, China, why do you want to go there? That is the line, isn't it? Yeah, that's the line. From everybody. So I would say, okay, well, yeah, I want to go. I'm I'm huge uh, on Kung Fu and the culture. And they're just like, Tony, Tony, listen, listen, you don't want to go there. It's not safe. I'm like, really? Yeah. You know, you, you might wake up one day and your organs will be gone. Whoa. I was like, really? And it's like, yeah, the the air is so bad. And you know, you're just, the people are really rude. And I was just like, oh man. So for a little while, I was a bit shaken up by that. Yeah. I I mean, what did you hear about China? Yeah. I, I, the thing I knew to expect was the pollution, right? Was Mm. what everybody, that was the number one. Hey, you have a son. Why would you? Why would you take your son to a place where the pollution is rampant and mm. and so on? And of course, you get here and pollution exists. Sure, I mean, I got here almost three years ago, and it was it was in a much worse place. But now I, I feel like it's more clearer days than yeah, otherwise. Right. And if you have people visit here, they say the same. Oh gosh, I've heard so much about <laughs> how bad it was and how you couldn't breathe. And now everybody on Earth should be wearing a mask. Yeah. So crazy how that happened, right? How about that? And yeah, what else? Uh, people were never rude or aggressive here to me. Mm. Um, I feel it was more of, uh, if anything, just trying to be welcoming. Yeah. Um, maybe talk behind our backs, <laughs> but there wasn't much in the way of uh, someone trying to aggressively confront you like they would in the States. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, and then and, and then the food here is some of the best. I know I said this about Vietnam, but truly, uh, some of the the best and most interesting food I've ever had isn't has been in Beijing. Beijing's yeah. my favorite part of China. I've I've been around. I've been to Shanghai. I've been to a few cities. I regret I haven't been out to many of the rural areas where you know real China is happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, myself too. But yeah, Beijing. I just there is something uh, incredibly historic and uh, I don't know ironclad about its culture in in, in a way that's just yeah. th- there's so many institutions you can see and i mean my gosh you know there's you know forbidden city and you know i can take my son to the you know what's the, uh, the temple of heaven or mm. uh, just these the, the hutongs i mean it's my favorite thing to do is to go kind of explore what's going on in the hutongs what little places exist there speaking of the hutongs yeah man that's a I really dig the uh, the traditional element. I mean, it's got the brick wall, the brick buildings and everything, and it's traditional. I mean, earlier we were talking about the toilets in Japan, how they, there's like a million buttons to press. Oh, Here, boy. I went to the I went to the Hutong uh, toilets. Ain't no buttons to press. <laughs> no buttons to press. And it's like you have there's – a, there's a certain technique that I haven't quite got down yet, and it's, you know, the, the squatting where you have to get all yeah. the way down to the ground. And yeah. I can't do it. You're man. a tall drink of water too, man. <laughs> without, without falling in. I mean, I, <laughs> that which is something you don't want to do. I've gotten to where I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too graphic. I, I'm pretty proud of my squat ability. <laughs> I, the thing is, I, 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 you know, before I leave home, I tell my son this all the time. Do you have to use the bathroom? Go now. <laughs> but you know, you get out in the elements, and uh, you know, it, it's sort of that survival of the fittest takes over, yeah. and. It ain't fun. I mean, you know, you got to pull everything out of your back pocket, stuff them in the front pockets. Yes. That's one of those things you want to do. And uh, you well, know, at hold least on you tried, man. I mean, I I just gave up like six months in. I was just like, you know what, this is not working. Um, there's no handle or something to hold on to. No, there's anything. not. I wouldn't hold it if there was a handle. <laughs> Are you kidding? No way. No, yeah. It's, uh, but I just, you know, I don't, I don't, I still to this day don't know how it's done. And, you know, I commend anybody that's able to do it and do it properly. But, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's one thing that, um, for most people, you're going to have to, that's a hurdle, a big hurdle when you first come to China is that, is those, are those toilets. Yeah. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll, you'll go into, you know, many places around town and there are, dare I say, Western style toilets. I don't want to yeah. credit the West with the design. It's just, you know, kind of what I'm used to back home. Yeah. You have those in places, but I had never envisioned or even heard of the squatter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 apparently it's best for your body. It's best for... Uh, uh, yeah, it's supposed to make things flow a lot easier. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> plop yeah. right out. I guess when you get it down, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's supposed to be on point. Well, I'm not saying I'm, I'm that I'm, I'm converted. <laughs> I'm just saying when necessity calls, uh, you yeah. got to go for it. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, man. But lots of surprises. I mean, I'm glad to say that my my organs are still here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think mine are here. My liver uh, might have deteriorated <laughs> over the past few years. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned earlier that we're all wearing masks nowadays. I mean, my. I think my lungs are still in, in, in pretty good shape. Mm. And uh, I think everywhere you got rude people. You got nasty people in the in the States and um, other places. But here, I think you also have some, like you mentioned earlier, it's just you got a lot of good people here as well. So that's something that I picked up is just word of mouth sometimes isn't very credible. Yeah. There was a study done uh, in 2018 by the Vacation Confidence Index, I guess. And this is where they talk a little bit about millennials or 
younger people who have aimed to deceive their followers by posting social media vacation images that make trips look better than they actually are. A lot of them, about 40%, uh, want their vacations to look Instagrammable so yeah. that they look a lot better than what they actually look. So it's like when you're looking online, and I think this is how a lot of people look at places and what's what's good and what's not. I mean, that's really what you look at. You look at those images and you think, wow, I can make everybody jealous with this picture. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to ruin somebody's day with this shot. <laughs> but it's not really uh, reality. No, you know? it's, it's never representative. It's you have to sort of imagine the what, what's on the outer frame of that photo. Yeah, yeah. Is it just the beach? Is it just a mountain? It's like, OK, been there, done that. Like, <laughs> show me the I want to look for the nitty gritty. I want to find what's the character of the place. Mm. What are the gems? Yeah, like even the the Forbidden City, beautiful, um, beautiful palace. I've been there a couple times, and normally when you see images of it, there's no people in it. It's just beautiful. Yeah, that's and true. Just, but then when you get there, it's like crawling with people. People are everywhere. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's kind of one thing. It's like, um, you know, you can never really trust a picture. You have to just you kind of have to keep that in mind. But you know, again, it's it's really it's really tough when these are the images you get. TripAdvisor and all this other. How stuff. about the Great Wall? The Great Wall amazing i actually lucked out okay when you see images of that it's there's no, never any people on it that's you're true kind of expecting to go there and have that experience but when you go there in reality you can't even see the ground or the floor of the great wall because there's so many people on it yeah i mean i've been three different times to three different sections yeah. of, of the great wall and yeah. I, I i cannot well you know because you've you've climbed it as well but i cannot encapsulate or begin to capture what a life-changing experience that was for me yeah how so to be there all my senses the visual the the fact that it's quiet uh, everything i was touched on every mm. level uh, i breathed differently I, it, it was looking out and knowing that a camera lens is never going to do this justice mm. I mean, you can take great photos on the great wall but i just i i felt changed and it's hard to, it's hard to say how really yeah but I mean, back to like these uh, expectations, man. In the states, I feel like we get, you know, we kind of have a bad rap with, uh, you know, some of the uh, the shootouts, for example. Maybe some people are a little bit more, you know, apprehensive when they talk. You know, maybe should we go to the states right now? I don't know. Are they still shooting people? You know, that's always something that's on people's minds. And right, yeah. I mean, and it's a scary place. And I mean, America's beautiful as well. But man, we got a gun problem. Yeah, we just do. And I, I feel that. You know, it seems like every two, every four years, whenever there's an election coming, uh, that's that's always a that's always an issue that nobody ever really wants to seem to own. Do you have a gun? No, no, I don't own a gun. Don't own a gun. No, huh? I don't. Yeah. I don't ever plan to. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, I I don't have one personally, but my family members, on the other hand, yeah, it's like they have an unofficial gun store. I mean, any, every make and model you want, they got it. My dad had several for a while, and uh, I believe finally sold them all sold them all huh yeah i think he you know through the course of a couple of moves kind of shed the collection and over the years said patrick i'd be happy to you know give you one of my guns and i said i love you dad i, I don't want it really yeah wow wow and um, i never really had that talk with my folks on why they have it you know maybe it's because they were you know you know former military mm -hmm. uh, former law enforcement so they maybe they have this fear or they are aware of how ugly people can get yes and so maybe there's that 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 fear but i don't know if that's driving why so many americans have guns or not but i mean it's a very tough item to have when you're scared 
I mean, even people it's who probably the worst item to have when you're scared. Yeah, it's the worst item to have if you're afraid. And and I just I can't really justify owning a gun. And mm. it probably makes me sound radical. I have no problem with people who do. Some people own it. They they never use it. It's locked away. Or they just go to the range. They go to the range. And, yeah. You know, great. Have at it. But. That's that's not what that's not what our country looks like. It's it's more like people are uh, yeah. rallying the troops. It's like what Prepping. troops are you trying to rally? Well, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, to be continued. But on another note, what else has our international community experienced and heard? Let's get the word on that. What was your top personal expectation before you arrived? Um, uh, I also traveled to Cambodia. Before going there, I thought, like, Cambodia, okay, what is it? What do people eat there? I thought, and actually many people were saying that most of the local population eat grasshoppers, eat, you know, cockroaches, of course, fried ones, but anyway. My top expectation was to enjoy good food, spicy, tropical food, and damn it, I did. It was awesome. I think I expected a lot of um, people to be really quirky when I got to Japan. Sort of the home of cosplay and uh, fetishism and all kinds of weird and wonderful things. Uh, we heard that, uh, you know, it's easy to get any type of malaria, of any type of infection. So, was that actual or a fable? So, I was really prepared for that. I was like, um, you know, I, I want to try everything. <laughs> <laughs> to make my uh, trip really memorable. But when we came there, that wasn't true. No, people do not eat fried grasshoppers and um, cockroaches every day. And we didn't get any type of infection. <laughs> All was fine. Now, don't get me wrong. You can find a lot of this stuff. You know, Japan does have a lot of weird and wonderful subcultures. However, it's not something you're always going to bump into. You know, you're not going to be on the subway surrounded by people dressed in cosplay unless it's Halloween the food in Thailand the spices the sweet it was amazing I loved it so I would say it's actual where would you say you got these expectations from I think I, I heard most of these kind of facts really just from sort of pop culture. Now, especially these days, lots of people are vlogging, travel vlogs. So I think a lot of my expectations came from there. And you know, when people do vlogs, most of the time they're exaggerating or sort of only showing the positive side, the best part. I heard it from different people, from like owners of restaurants, movies, and other people's experiences, of course. What would you say is the common perception or misconception that people have of your country? It, it happens every time. Whenever a foreigner finds out that I'm from Russia, uh, first thing, the first things they say, babushka or matryoshka, Putin, bears, vodka, and stuff like that. Well, for my country, I think the common perception is everybody's rich everybody has guns they're only white people so i'm from the uk i think actually most of the conceptions that people have about my country that i hear are mostly true we do have bad weather 
We do drink tea.、Uh, we have bears walking down the streets, and <laughs> and Russian families drink vodka in the morning for lunch and for dinner.、Uh, but no, I think that is one of the biggest misconception of、uh, Russia. And a lot of people have guns, yes, but not everyone has a gun. There are some rich people, but not everyone is rich. And yes, Russians do not smile without any reason. <laughs> Uh, of course,、um, Russia has vodka history as well. But、um, young people, more and more, they are for you know healthy lifestyle, alcohol-free. And no, we don't have bears、um, walking down the streets.、Uh, we don't have them as pets.、Uh, we have normal pets like dogs, cats. When I speak to many people about British food,、uh, the first thing that people say is fish and chips. Now again. Fish and chips, I would say, is a part of our culture,、uh, but we don't eat fish and chips very often. It happens once in a while.、Uh, I think I'm not going to comment on Putin, <laughs> but、um, yes, I'm not going to comment on Putin. So, in case you didn't get that, Patrick, she's not going to comment on Putin. She's speechless on Putin. Duly noted on that. Yeah. Shout out to Natalia from Russia. Really appreciate her sharing her voice here, because like from from the American standpoint, I mean, do we ever really hear anything positive about Russia? Like she mentioned, like the perception that no one there apparently is sober, not very friendly, and. And you know, and I blame Hollywood for that mainly because、mm. they're always, you know, in the films they're always gangsters, really ruthless. And、um, I think、uh, for me, when I was a kid, I, I watched、uh, Rocky. The guy, what was it?、Uh, Victor Drago. Yeah, and I must was... break you. <laughs> Is that the one? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Terrifying. Yeah, I mean that's and that's what it was. I mean, Russia was they were terrifying, and they were just that was the only guy in the、uh, in the series that actually killed you know another fighter. Yeah, so it was just like, wow, those Russians must be really bad. And so it's like you grow up with that. And I've not visited nah, Moscow or.、Um, but I've met I've met a couple of Russians though, and you know they I feel like they were、um, they were a lot warmer than what I expected. And、mm. you know when I met them, they were yeah really friendly and they wanted they were interested in my culture and it was just like I wanted to reciprocate, but I didn't have that that same feeling because yeah just Hollywood just kind of screwed that up for me. I think. Yeah, you know that's kind of what they do. Ever have any、uh, fried grasshoppers or cockroaches? I think, I think I have. I I know I've tried a cricket. Oh man! And this was in the United States. I mean, this was not even here in Asia. And I don't、oh, remember、yeah? where it was. I don't remember the circumstances, but I remember being offered. And I thought, you know what? What the hell? Kentucky Fried Roach. <laughs> Ro- roaches, I got an issue. <laughs> yeah, those have always kind of frightened me. But something yeah. about yeah, I had a cricket or a grasshopper, and it was fine. It was kind of like one of those. A little bit salty protein snack. Yeah, probably a lot healthier than eating potato chips. Hey, man, that's it's. It looks like it's on the horizon. There's an insect protein industry booming. Yeah,、apparently. yeah, yeah. They're saying that in uh in two in 2025 it'll be worth about 1.3 billion dollars. So you never know. So that is that a global thing or is that just happening in one part of the world? Uh. I think it's going to be a global thing, man. Because I mean, I think it, I mean, there's plenty of insects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if、I'm, I would get down on that, but I mean, it seems like it's it's going to be a thing. Would this figure into a vegetarian diet? Would you be able to <laughs> partake? Maybe an arachnid. You're harassing、uh, my vegetarian. Not diet, at all. <laughs> not at all. 
I respect it. I'm wondering if it would fall under. It, it would be considered a meat. That's a really good question. I don't. I don't just have, a protein. I don't have an answer for that. Mm. I mean, are they considered? Well, it lives, so I would say it's out. You know, it's like a living. Well, creature. technically, vegetables live too, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I, I, a good question. I'm not sure about that. I can't see myself eating, you know, worms or beetles or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, would it, it, would it, how would it be prepared? Would it be like a bag of potato chips? Like, here's a bag of crickets? Or I'm just wondering, you know, it's like, or do you go and you get one? Hey, kids, all right, you get you already, you had enough On a stick, right? Yeah, for dessert, you get one grasshopper <laughs> dipped in chocolate. I'm sure that's gonna something, you know. In America, we, we deep fry everything, right? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, where do you think people hear this stuff? I mean, I I think it's a lot of it's word of mouth because sometimes you hear, you know, people that have gone certain places and they tell you, oh, back, you know, back in the war or during this time or, you know, and they tell you what what they've experienced or what they've heard. And so that kind of sticks with you. And, and that's what you think about these certain places. I want to share this experience with you. Like, uh, I mean, Haru made a, a statement about how, yeah, everybody's got guns in the U.S. and but also how everyone apparently is white in the U.S. And this is something that I, I've experienced um, when I went to a place called Wudangshan, which is here in China. Now, mind you, this was a smaller area, clearly not a lot of exposure to the foreign community. I was hiking up this mountain, and I met this guy on the way up. He was a, a Moroccan, so, you know, he's, he's an African guy. But anyone that's uh, been to Morocco or has met anyone there, you, you do have a population that's you know, you could, they could classify themselves as Caucasians. I mean, they're, they're like, they're white. Yeah. And so we, we were, you know, we met and we were up the mountain talking and we actually stopped. He was like, Hey, I want to show you something. So he stops and he asks these guys who apparently they carry people up the mountain in some cart. And so he starts talking to them, you know, his, his Chinese is a little better than mine. And since it was a service, they require that, you know, we showed them some documentation. And so he pulls out his passport and he tells them, Hey guys, look, I'm I'm African and he's American. And they looked at him like, "Come on, man. Who are you tra- not that naive? Stop jerking us around. Stop playing and get in the car." Man. <laughs> they just shook their heads like, "Nah. Not buying it." Wow. And he says, "Really? Really?" Cuz he you know, he could speak Chinese and he says, "No, he's for, he's from US. I'm from um Africa." So then they smiled and they asked to look at the passports. <laughs> what was funny was like he must have looked at that passport like four times. He looked at the passport, then he looked at me, then he looked back at the passport. Man, then he looked up again. It was, it was like he couldn't believe his eyes. It was it was incredible. Wow, what a story! <laughs> this really happened, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This really happened. And I just, wow. I mean, at that time, I didn't. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, because you know, I'm, I'm a black man, so I, I think most people assume that I'm from the African continent, and on the and the other way around. He looks, you know, he's white, so they think that he's from Europe or a white country, which America is assumed to be. How have you encountered racism differently from the United States to China? Well, I can only really speak on the experience as an African-American, because I'm sure people from other nationalities may have had different experiences, definitely had different experiences. But I think a lot of it is just not knowing things. People expect you to be a certain way based on what they've been exposed to or what they've been told. Yeah. For example, I've been called pretty much every famous black person you could think of in the U.S. <laughs> probably, one of, 
<laughs> probably one of the the funniest comparisons I've ever heard. And this was um, when I was in South Korea. Someone told me I look like MC Hammer. <laughs> MC Hammer. Were you wearing the hammer pants at the time? <laughs> Couldn't do the parachute pants. Man. And you know, I I got I got mad love for MC Hammer. I mean, when it was Hammer time. Well, yeah, I burned that cassette up, man. Didn't you? He was the man. Oh, yeah, man, you couldn't touch him. <laughs> but if you ask someone who has uh, a lot more exposure to people in my community, they probably wouldn't agree to that comparison. And th and that's really what it is. It's just having that exposure. I mean, back home that would be kind of considered a little bit of racism. But over here, people just don't know. You yeah. know, like they'll say, oh, you look like Obama or, oh, you look like Will Smith or, oh, you probably can dance, right? You're mm -hmm. a dancer. Yeah. Do you do you play basketball? You you you, you definitely play basketball. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, I used to, but not anymore. I'm, you know, kind of, you know, past that time. So you can kick their ass at Kung Fu. <laughs> that's what you can do, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the assumption, right? You, and, that, and that's something else that I thought. I thought, you know, at first, like people would have a higher sense of you know, the ability to do Kung Fu here in China or something. But when I got here, yeah, most people I know have no have no history with it, no background with it. So yeah. I think that you just, you're fed these images and you grow up with them and then you hold on to them unless you're proven otherwise, you know? So yeah, that was, I mean, you know, Wudong Mountain, that was kind of, it was kind of an experiment. I think that he just wanted to, to make a point that, a lot of people think, still think that, you know, if your skin's white, you're from a Western country. But if your your skin is darker, then you must be from Africa. And it was just really, I mean, I kind of knew that already before it, but it was just kind of surprising that these guys really just could not get it. And they didn't even believe it, even with the passports in front of them. Man. <laughs> well, how do you, and not to get too far off topic, but, you know, this, this year has just been one hell of a year. Mm. And how have you viewed... Especially over the summer in the United States, yeah. where, where we had a president that was fueling, just fueling anger and division around Black Lives Matter and wanting to use law and order, send the troops into the streets to confront mm. these people. And we know what he meant when he said that. Yeah. How do you view it from China all the way over here? I mean, yeah, we, we get our news, but you're not physically there. And, and does it... Does it sting differently? Uh, does it does it make you uh, angrier at, at how the country's being run from living over here? Well, the biggest thing for me, just not being with my family and being around my people in this time. You know, obviously, I I'm I enjoy my life here in China. You know, I enjoy what I do. Um, it it does affect me because I do feel like I should be there during that time while our nation is going through um, a bit of a tough time. So for me, it's that's probably my biggest hurdle. The actions that were, were going on, obviously the uh, the protesting, we've always protested, we've always fought, we've always um, dissented when it came to, um, you know, racism and this type of thing. So this is something that, you know, is in us. You know, we, we're, we're fighters from that perspective. Um, the actions of the president don't, honestly, they don't surprise me so much. I actually think it's um, in a way a blessing that he was so forthcoming and straightforward uh, in his actions and how he felt because you know there it, it's always been really covert you know on one hand there's been uh, this type of uh, for example like this the three strikes law which is something that you know on paper it sounds really uh, straightforward 
And it seems like it's something that would probably benefit the country. But on the other hand, it was a way to, you know, exacerbate more people being thrown in jail, more specifically the black community and all kinds of things. So president was, I guess, I think he's a bit more forthright and he really puts things into perspective. And this is, you know, factor fluke for you. It really opens up, you know, the true feelings that a lot of people have in the United States that we kind of suppress and we hide and we only let out on maybe social media. But, you know, with the with a president like, you know, the way that the one that he is, he's able to kind of unmask that and show things for what they really are. And I think that that puts things in perspective for not just for people outside of China, but but in the United States, it lets people know where we are and how far we've gotten and how far we haven't gone. You know, so I think that this is something that we need as a nation to kind of see things for what they are. And proceed from from that point, you know, make some progress because suppressing these real these 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 emotions, I don't think that it's really going to um to help us. We need to see things. We need to attack the problem at its base. So that's why I say that some of the things that he's done is kind of good for us. And don't get it twisted. That's that's not a praise. It's just personally, I embrace awakening uh, and evolution. And sometimes you have to strip down to the core issue before any progress is made. So I really think the masks are coming off and we can proceed from that point. Well said. More of a fear of something that they don't want to address. What's yeah. the fear of the unknown, right? Fear of the unknown. And I think that's something that's uh, all over the world. We, you know, we kind of have a, where do, where do we get our known from? A lot of times it's from, yeah, the media, you know, life experiences and you know, stereotypes that maybe our families have, you know, fed to us. And so it's, uh, you know, I think that now we're living in a time where we can kind of unmask these things and go, you know, yeah. as we talked about today, some of this stuff is a bit over the top and Instagrammable, yeah. you know, but, but, uh, just experiencing things for, for yourself. And I think we're in the age of truth right now. A lot of people are seeing a lot of things. And so it's a, it's, it's a good time. It's an uncomfortable time. But I think sometimes for us to move to the next step, we have to be uncomfortable and uh, and deal with uh, what's real and what's not. It fundamentally kind of underscores the whole purpose of your program, which is travel and perception. And mm. the more people we meet and the more places we visit, ultimately, is going to open up our minds, right? Yeah. And I think mm. that kind of goes to the heart of what this show is all about. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I think we're going to call it, man. Okay. Yeah. Patrick, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, my. I'd do it anytime. I love you, Tony. <laughs> Appreciate it. Shout out to Stuart from the UK, Haru from the US, and Natalia from Russia. Couldn't have done it without your support. Thank you so much. You guys are the best audience. I'm TJ Reed. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Feel free to message us on your thoughts and questions via email or voice message. And guys, we love comments and ratings, so spread the word. Listeners, be advised that views and statements made are for entertainment purposes only and do not in any way reflect the beliefs of our organization.